Today we're going to be talking in this series, Women of Faith, about the woman at the well that's found in John chapter 4. Let me give this as a way of introduction. I'm amazed at all that the human body can endure. The human body can endure sleepless nights, lack of nutrition, backbreaking labor. The human body can put up with imprisonment in a prison camp or being lost at sea on a lifeboat for several days. In the human body, we see people who work underground in the mines of the earth, and we see those who can tolerate the great heat of the western wildfires as they fight the fires. On and on goes, we see uh, the, the discipline of, of athletics and all that can be done as you watch athletic reels and you see pole vaulters or gymnasts or Olympians, and you realize the human body is marvelous indeed. But so is the human mind. The human mind can remember things from the past in intricate detail. The human mind can grapple with concepts, ideals, and philosophies. The human mind is nuanced better than any computer. The human mind is a marvel indeed. And the human heart and emotion is elastic and remarkable as well. We see people who are able to come to the highest heights of celebration and the lowest lows of grief, the loss of loved ones, rejection from a job application, or the, the failure of, in circumstances, or even the loss of their homes in natural disaster. And yet these people in their heart and their mind, they seem so resilient. It is amazing indeed to see. But there's one blow, one blow that it seems few can withstand. We avoid it at all costs. The name of this blow is rejection. Rejection will wipe the smile off your face. It'll cause your shoulders to slump. It'll take the spring out of your step. It'll buckle your knees. It'll break your heart and snap your mind. Rejection seems to be the one thing that almost no one can endure. The Bible is full of examples of those who have faced rejection. Take Esau, for example, who was, who was rejected by his father, Isaac. Or take David, who was rejected by King Saul and was hiding for his life. Or Joseph, rejected by his own brothers and cast into a pit and then sold into slavery. And who of us cannot recall the great suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ and the rejection that he received, as is recorded in John's Gospel, chapter 1, he came to his own people. He came unto his own, and his own would not receive him. The great apostle Paul, when he was converted from being a Hebrew Pharisee, was rejected by many in the early church because 
They didn't trust this former persecutor of the church. And on goes the story of those who have been rejected. But today, as we look at the story of the woman on the, at the well, we will come to the realization that her story is so similar to all of our stories. And let's let the Word of God bless us. But first, let me give you a summary here of the sermon in a sentence. The sermon in a sentence. While the pain of rejection is common to all people, those who have a relationship with our living Savior have experienced an acceptance found nowhere else. It seems that all other kinds of love are conditional, but the acceptance and love we have from our Savior has no rival. Let's take our Bible and go to John chapter 4 and follow along with me as I read from the English Standard Version of the New Testament. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would give you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become to him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, you notice I'm skipping ahead a little bit in a minute. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You're right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town, and they were coming to him. 
If you continue reading in this chapter, which is really a long chapter, and it's difficult to read all of it just in this setting, but if you go on, you see that Jesus was then invited to go to their town in Samaria, and he stayed there for two days. And as a result of his staying there, many came to faith. Jesus truly was breaking down the barriers because he was in a place that no other Jews would ever go. We're talking about rejection today. This text has so many nuances that you could literally preach an entire sermon series just from this one text because there's a lot of historical data there. There's a, there's a lot of theological meaning here. But today we're, we're zeroing in on this subject of a person coming to faith after having been the recipient of rejection. So you'll notice in the text that Je it said that Jesus had to go through Samaria. He had to go that way because as Savior, he had a mission. His mission was to demonstrate not only to this woman, but to this town in which she lived, what the love of God really looks like. And you notice the woman was coming to the well alone at the middle of the day, not the time when people usually go to the well. The women who carried the water would usually come in the morning, the coolness of the morning, or maybe as the sun was setting in the twilight, but not in the heat of the day. Why did this woman come? Well, because we'll, we'll explain those reasons in just a moment. But for Jesus to speak to her was very untypical. It was untypical of any man to speak to a woman. It was untypical for any man to be in the presence of a woman alone. And Jesus, the Jew, spoke to this Samaritan woman. And thus you read in this narrative. My daughter, who is a pastor in central Michigan, gave me a, a book to read. Actually, she recommended, she didn't give me her copy, she recommended it, and I bought it. It's called Jesus, Seeing Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. It's a fascinating book, and if you take notes, write that down and get the book, because it goes through these gospel accounts and helps you to see what's being written in the text, not simply from 21st century American eyes, but to read it in the context of a, an ancient culture, a different geography, with different customs, and a different age. And when you come to read it, you come to see even more powerfully how Jesus ministered to a rejected woman. So why was she rejected? Why was she rejected? I want to share four reasons with you. First, she was rejected by Jews because of ethnic and religious differences. That's the first thing. So she was of a different race. They were, the Samaritans were considered by the Jews who looked down upon them with condescension as a half-breed race. That alone is a barrier, isn't it? So the ethnic and the religious differences, the, the Samaritans believed that their way of worship was superior to that of the Jews who worshiped in Jerusalem. And there's a big argument that goes forth there, and it's worthy of your further explanation, or exploration as you go through the text. But she was the recipient of rejection because of eth 
ethnic and religious differences. It causes us to wonder who are the people who are of a different religion that we reject and won't speak to. We act as if they're invisible and we, we would never build a relationship with them. A friend of mine by the name of uh, Donna Thomas wrote a book. Her book was called First Look and Then Start Talking. And you know what she did? Uh, she had in her neighborhood in Indianapolis, there were some Hindu families. And so uh, she saw them walking, you know, they walked normally by her house. And so she went out and she said, good morning, and began a conversation, which these Hindu families uh, experienced a lot of rejection in America because they were Hindus. They were of the real minority in, in America. <coughs> Pardon me. This led to an invitation to their home. And she began to go to their home regularly and build a relationship. And when a child was born into the home, they asked her if she would be what's the equivalent in our culture of being a godmother. Now, what does that tell you? After a while, she was able to share with them about her faith in Jesus. But you should buy the book for yourself and read it. First look and then start talking. The second reason that this woman was being rejected, if you look here on the screen, she was being rejected because of gender discrimination. You see, Jesus came to break down all of the barriers between gender that have existed all the way to our modern time. There are people who, who do not understand that Jesus came to restore all that was broken. If you read about the fall of Adam and Eve and you read about the curse that was, that was placed upon them and women became subservient to their husbands, there are people that still want to live under that kind of bondage rather than ex experiencing the joy of mutuality in their home that Paul writes about in Ephesians 5.21. But be mutually submissive to one another out of reverence for Christ mutuality. Well, gender discrimination was rampant and women were viewed as a subculture and they were actually owned by men. They were owned by men. There's a third reason that she experienced discrimination and that is marital history. The scripture says she was married five times and she is now living with a man and while we read it through our 21st century eyes, I see this woman as a victim in the Middle Eastern culture. In the culture in which a man could divorce his wife easily, he could cast her aside, she would be literally homeless and powerless. And women were only able to exist if they were under the care of someone's household. And so five times she had experienced this brokenness in her life. And the man she's living with now, she was not married to. We don't know all the reasons, but we do know that she was being looked down upon by the people in the village. Oh, the tendency that we have to reject people, and maybe you have had some pain in your own life and have felt rejected by people of faith. If so, 
on behalf of all Christians, I apologize to you. Because that's not the way of Jesus to reject people and to act as if they do not exist or do not belong in our company. She also was viewed as morally questionable and social stigma was the fourth reason that she experienced rejection. You notice that she avoided coming to the well when other women were there. She didn't want to have their their snide remarks, their sideways glances, the feeling of rejection. When you read this passage, you obviously see a wounded soul. And so whether it applies to you or whether it applies to someone you know, this scripture teaching shows us that rejection is common to us all, as I said in the sermon in a sentence. And only those who have come into relationship with our living Savior, Jesus Christ, have really experienced acceptance like it is found nowhere else. Now, as this message goes along today, I want you to see what the results were in her life of an encounter with Jesus. First was acceptance and inclusion. Jesus' example was one of accepting her and loving her as she was. You know, we live, as I mentioned earlier, in a multi-generation church family. I was recalling just, just now an experience that happened to me many years ago. We were, we, before the building we're sitting in was built. It's a long time ago. I was teaching a midweek Bible study in what's now the Fellowship Hall below the sanctuary, and uh, the, there was a choir room underneath what's now the, plat- what's the platform of the church, and the kids' choir was rehearsing for a musical, so on Wednesday night, their rehearsal went a little long. And uh, I was well into my Bible study when suddenly all of these children started filing through, and you know children filing through. There's a lot of commotion. They weren't quiet. They were, you know, making noise. And I was looking at the scowling faces of some of our senior adults, and the Lord prompted me to say, wait a minute. You know how many churches in America would give anything to have that many children in their church who to come barreling through the middle of their Bible study? Let's give thanks rather than feelings of rejection. You see, I am one who was influenced as a child by an older man in his 80s who would tousle my hair when I had hair and would say, Bobby, the Lord has a plan for you. And he kept encouraging me as a little child. I really looked up to him. He seemed like a giant in my eyes. His name was Ross Baker. He was a tall man, a businessman, retired businessman in our church. And I think about the importance that we have as adults of affirming and encouraging the next generation rather than being intolerant and rejecting of them. People who experience Jesus, experience acceptance and inclusion, and may they experience it from us. A second thing that she experienced was the breaking of stereotypes. 
all deep cultural stereotypes that existed that said that women were of a, a subclass to men. Paul wrote about that in the church, his letter to the church at Galatia. And he was writing about how the kingdom of God is a different kingdom than you've ever experienced before. Listen to what Paul says, just one verse from Galatians 3.28. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. You see, in Jesus, there's this great equality that exists. And this woman felt the breaking of the stereotypes when the Son of God, the Messiah, reached out to her and ministered to her. Another thing that happened in this encounter is that she experienced a safe place for authenticity and vulnerability. A safe place. That conversation was a safe place. You know, I was uh, watching a, a little news feature. I think it was on 60 Minutes. I wasn't able to find it when I was preparing to review it, but it, it stuck in my mind that they were doing an experiment. They were filming this. They were bringing Americans together who were of opposite political persuasion and setting them down at a table, and each of them... Uh, with the presence of the moderator, was able to share his or her views, and the walls began to come down, and they began to relate to one another as Americans instead of as enemies. Because you see that there is a diabolical plan that the enemy has to defeat us by dividing us into our, our camps, our strongly held beliefs. Civility seems to be long gone in the culture in which we live. And many feel that we're in a culture that's in the twilight of a great civilization. But I say to you, there's power in the church of the living God. There's power for us to live as Jesus lived and to relate to people as Jesus did, as modeled here as he related to the woman at the well. So I have a little little four, letter, four, four L's that I keep in my mind that helps me just kind of as a, a little marker of, of my behavior. So here's my first L. Stop labeling. You see, that's how Hitler divided the German people against the Jews by labeling. And when you begin to see people as a category rather than as human beings, you are on the track of uh, destruction. So stop labeling. It's not from the Lord. It's not from the Lord. Stop labeling. Next one is start listening. Now, when you listen, it doesn't mean you have to agree with everything you hear, but many of us have stopped listening a long time ago to people who have viewpoints that are different than our own. So start listening. And that leads to the third L, which is to keep learning. 
Who wants to have a mindset and a way of thinking that is brittle and calcified because we haven't learned anything lately? We've just been defending our positions. So keep learning. And then the, the last thing is continue loving. You see, if we're the people of Jesus and our neighbors do not feel that we love them, we have failed our mission. Do you mind if I repeat that again? Because maybe you'll say amen. If we claim to be the people of Jesus and our neighbors do not feel that we love them, we have failed at our mission. Amen. That's our mission. We're the living church of Jesus Christ in this generation. He has nobody else in this generation, but this living generation of believers, we're the people of Jesus. And if the people who are in darkness do not feel that we love them, we have failed at our mission. Okay. So, there's one more thing that, two more things I want to tell you that she experienced. This is a real big one. Her spiritual thirst was quenched. We have a world today in which people are very spiritually thirsty. And they try to satisfy this spiritual thirst in inappropriate relationships, in ungodly sexual behavior, and in use of mind-altering substances. And you can create the list on your own. And I say to you that this is evidence of a lost world that are trying to self-medicate themselves and to quench their thirst in ways that will never do. But Jesus said, once you come to know me and are in relationship with me, then welling up within you a sense of worship, a sense of rightness, a sense of prayer, that you're in connection with your heavenly Father, a sense of fellowship, that you're in a family of believers. You come to understand that your life is different now because something satisfies your soul. His name is Jesus. And so once her thirst was quenched by this great relationship, we see that she ran out to start sharing the good news. The text says she left her, her uh, pots of water behind and ran into town, and she began to share the good news. And I told you, if you read on with the chapter, you'll see that many came to faith because of the ripple effect of her sharing. I want to kind of wrap up today by just kind of telling you why I believe in the ripple effect of our sharing. Nearly 80 years ago, nearly 80 years ago, my grandparents had a small family farm in Newton Falls, Ohio. They were not living for the Lord. They were not involved in a church family. And a neighbor of theirs by the name of Gail Murray came and knocked on the door and said, you know, I'm a part of a small church that's meeting in a storefront. We're just getting started, but we have an amazing pastor, and I think you will be blessed. Can I invite you to come to our church? And then she said, if you don't like it, you don't have to come back. 
Well, my grandparents accepted the invitation nearly 80 years ago. And they were transfixed, and they began to be a part of this church fellowship. They began to attend regularly. They were accepted by the church people, this small congregation that was growing. And my grandparents tell about the day when they went forward, and they knelt at an altar of prayer and gave their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ nearly 80 years ago. Subsequently, a few years later, my grandfather became a pastor. And subsequent to that one knock on the door, there are five living generations of our family who are following the Lord Jesus Christ, several pastors among our family. And I just want to say, here's a woman who was faithful to the Lord. Rather than judging her neighbors, she loved them and said, I think I know where you could find some living water, and it changed everything. So today, maybe you're a person who's felt rejection in your life, or maybe you know someone who seems to be behaving as if they feel rejection. However this message is affecting you, if you're accepting Jesus into your life today, our staff would love to start a conversation with you about living water. You can just text the word Jesus to 269-231-8692. But as I close this message, I'd like to pray with you that we can apply what we've just heard into our lives. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we remember the pain of rejection, every one of us. We've all borne the agony of rejection. But Jesus, we thank you, those of us who have received you and found your acceptance, know that we have a mission to be your heart and your hands to a lost and dying world. And there may be people here who are listening to this message who say, I want to know what you're talking about, Bob. I want to know this living Jesus that gives me living water welling up inside of my soul. Lord, I pray for that person that he or she may in this very moment, just by whispering these words, Jesus, I need you. Come to understand what it means to begin a journey as your child. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, and together we say, amen.